This episode of our podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage for your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit their website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. You guys are driving to Florida in like three weeks. That's right. We're going to be there in three weeks. Well, let's get the show on the road. Um, Actually, two weeks and six days. Exactly. Uh, so, so somebody's That's counting. three weeks. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's less than three weeks. Less than three weeks. Uh, well, tomorrow I'm heading out of town for the weekend via Disney to run. Uh, oh, yeah, you're doing that, are you? Half and 39.3 miles. Wow. Good Lord. Good luck not, to you. Not, not at one time, though. It's just, it's, <laughs> okay. just running three half marathons over two days. That's it. That's all I'm doing. Just three half marathons. Nothing to it. Well, we want to welcome everybody back to the show. As you can see, we're just having a little bit of banter here. Listen, if you guys are new to the podcast and new to the show, welcome. Uh, we certainly appreciate you guys giving us a little bit of your time each and hopefully every week so that we can talk about Tesla and all things kind of fun out there. I'm joined by my two co-hosts there, Ian Pavelko and Eric Camacho, who have been <sighs> commiserating. We're talking about Florida. We're getting, you know, two of us live in the great white north and we're very tired of the winter. <laughs> Which has and, just begun, and we're already sick of it. Exactly. And, uh, well, Eric, you know, he's enjoying whatever weather that uh, is being bestowed upon him. How is it down there today? Is it, is it warm? Yeah, it's, it's been warming up. We had some cold weather at the start of the week. It's been warming okay, up. Okay, but uh, cold to you is what? <laughs> well, for, for Floridians, having weather in the upper 50s, uh, when they're not used to it. I mean, I've seen people walking around with, like, wool caps jackets gloves the whole thing and i'm walking around with like a short sleeve shirt and jeans and like what are you talking about it ain't that cold down here t-shirt weather for us too so right and some, well you guys will wear t-shirts when it's like 30 hell uh, yeah right hell yeah i i, I right. roll convertibles when i go down there like you know top down it's 45 degrees i'm 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 at the taco bell drive through at 10 o'clock at night and people are like what the hell's wrong with this guy they're all walking by in parkas you know? <laughs> remember our blood is 50 percent maple syrup so. well they're also wondering what you're doing at a taco bell but that's that's a different story <laughs> because we don't have them here well not in quebec anyway uh Actually, taco bell i hear about del taco is that supposed to be pretty good there's del del taco del taco i had in california i was not impressed no oh, okay no well not a Sorry for the Dal Telco lovers. We pro we apologize for that. But I will say the, the, the coffee at McDonald's in Canada is better, though. <laughs> well, here's a question, though. Has anybody ever had a bad taco? Uh, yes. Really? Fine, bad. Right. I mean, you're saying like Del Taco wasn't that great, but would you I, say we, you had bad food there? We made we made no, tacos literally two yeah, nights ago here at home, yeah. and my wife used for the first time corn flour tacos, the soft ones. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever had them, and I don't know if it was just this manufacturer. Sorry, folks, we're talking about kind of tacos here. I don't know you call here, them but... corn flour when they're just corn tortillas. Well, look, sorry, it's a corn tortilla. Anyways, it was, it tasted, I didn't like the taste of it. It was falling apart. It was all crumbly. And, you know, tacos are pretty messy to eat with in the first place. And this just mm -hmm. made it even worse. So I said, don't buy those anymore. So she you're said. You're doing okay. it wrong. As a person, who, <laughs> as, a, as an aficionado and as a, as a consumer of corn tortillas, because I can't have flour tortillas, uh, thanks to my celiac disease, I will tell you that the trick to corn tortillas is two things. One, you have to warm them up just enough where there's not too much moisture inside the dough uh, so that things don't just seep through. But you don't want it too dry, which makes them that brittle. Uh, so if you do warm them up enough and keep them warm uh, and you don't put too much ingredients on it, you're totally fine. Mm. 
I had really good tacos in San Francisco in the Mission. Oh my God, San San Fran! You when you Mission in San Francisco. For those of you guys that do not know, uh, Mission Street or the Mission District in San Francisco Mm. is the mecca. It is it is the it is the holy grail of tacos in North America. So um, good. You can't find any like you go on a street. There's corner no bad place to eat. It, there's <laughs> no. no bad place to eat. There's like a taco place every five feet. It seems like, and they go they're all amazing. Oh, they're <laughs> all amazing, and you get all kinds of tacos. They got gringo tacos. I'm just, it's, it's amazing. If you ever find yourself in San Francisco okay. and you love tacos, go to Michigan. I can't take it anymore. Okay, I haven't had a gram of carbs since New Year's. Okay, you're killing me. We gotta, we gotta switch the touch. Well, I'm, listen, I'm rest, crash. Ooh, you wait. rest assured, you have a vacation coming up very soon. When yes. you come here to Florida, yes. we'll make sure you have some carbohydrates, so you know you get some of that Florida weather back, and then you know you get some weight a little bit, and you head back to Canada, and then you just you're insulated for the rest of winter. You're good. Yeah, that's good. that's exactly the plan. All right. There you go. Three weeks away. All right, enough talk about this. Let's get in. We have some Tesla news we want to talk about, and a little bit later in the show, we will answer your viewer and listener questions. By the way, I should mention the questions that we get for the show are submitted via a Google form that I post on my Twitter account. The handle is at Tesla Owners Online, and uh, you can submit your Tesla or car questions, and we will do our best to try and answer them. People seem to love the questions, which is awesome, and we you do changed too. your Twitter handle. Yeah. No, no, it's just Tesla owners online or search for at model model three owners. Okay, I was going to say you confused the audience for a second. Sorry, sorry, I didn't change it, and I'm not about to change it. It's just either one works. You can use that. Anyway, so that's where we get the questions from. All right, um, this week, you know what? Before we get into the Tesla news, let's talk about Mm -hmm. the stock a little bit. Um, It has been on an absolute tear this last couple of weeks, but especially this week, it just barely kissed $500 a share as of yesterday. I think it hit about $498 and some change. It's down a little bit today. Um, Eric, have you been? I've been monitoring it today here but what's the close did, did you have it in front of you i did have it before the stock closed at and it it, it fell down about 10 points today it's a close at 481.34 still good though mm-hmm. oh no it's, it's it's way up there i think we're seeing some serious short squeeze action at this point oh, can you th- you think well at some point they got to cover apparently there's still guys out there ho- holding on like not covering yet and i'm like oh my god the pain the pain well yeah well hopefully they don't hold on for much longer uh yeah. because they're uh, they're going to lose their shirts at this rate anyways yeah. at this point um now and as far as <laughs> who wants some short shorts with that um you know look some we're, we're not financial people we are going to have somebody on on the show uh fairly soon uh maybe when the q4 numbers come out to give us a whole rundown on the whole thing but um my thinking about the the stock price and why it's been on a tear, I think, could be a couple of different things. Now, I'm not like I said, I'm not a financial guy here, but part of it could be the fact that there's a lot of confidence in the market now that the Gigafactory three, which we're going to talk about here in in China, you know, the Chinese deliveries have started. Uh, confidence in the Q4 numbers because of Tesla's deliveries exceeded their production, or uh, or is it the other way around? I forget now. <laughs> um, anyways, so it's looking very, very good for Tesla. The other thing too is that it could be um, that there's shares being dumped on the market because a lot of the shorts are starting to get squeezed and get out now. So there's you know there's a mad rush for a lot of people to try and buy that stuff. That's my thinking. But mm-hmm. like I said, I'm not a financial guy, so I don't know exactly what's going on. But obviously, something's been pushing the stock and. So hopefully we'll find out a little bit more uh, a little bit later. Anyway, so let's get into some of the Tesla news. On a good front here, uh, Tesla 
Now, this is an article uh, courtesy of our friends at Tesla Roddy. Let me bring it up so you guys can see exactly what I'm talking about. Now, Tesla has been clearing the trees uh, just out the German uh, Gigafactory 4 location, which is just outside of Berlin. They say that uh, crews in Germany have started preparations for the groundbreaking of the Gigafactory 4. Recently shared videos from the piece of land in Grunhein in Germany revealed that some of the trees are currently being cut down to make way for the upcoming electric car production plant. Uh, the trees must be removed from the forest by February 27th, according to an environmental report on Gigafactory 4. However, there has been some news recently that they ran into a little bit of a problem. Apparently, there's some endangered bats in the forest. So it looks like they have to do some environmental stuff or halt uh, a lot of this stuff until they get that thing sorted out. I don't have a subsequent article on that, but... <sighs> I know. <laughs> well, no, this this overall. This is a good me. thing. I mean, you know, you you don't want to be endangering animals. Well, no, 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 no. no. That 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 part I get. Uh, it's a byproduct, of course, of of innovation. My problem was always with when you have to get to the point of tearing down forests to build something, and from what I gather, there's no intermediate plans that I'm aware of, and I'm, there's nothing been announced where they're going to either replant as many trees as they're removing elsewhere somewhere else. Um, but if yes, that is the plan. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, that's the thing that's really important. I, I, I'm just, I'm someone who looks at what's happening in Australia and um, I'm saying, can we stop building massive factories? I understand there's a, there's a certain need for this. I just wish it was not in a location where you had to then disrupt an existing forest just to build this thing. So that's just my two cents for right Well, now. the article does go on to say that uh, Tesla initially announced that the deforestation would result in the company planting three times as many yeah. trees to replace those have been cut down due to Giga Refractory 4's construction mm. plans. So they are, I mean, you know, the thing with Tesla is that they are environmentally responsible. I'm sure that they knew going into this facility and stuff that they would have to do, the, obviously, the right thing and stuff. And I'm sure the mm -hmm. German government would let them <laughs> do anything silly uh, because, you know, they're, they're pretty forward-thinking a lot of that ways. So the fact that they're actually moving forward with this and um, starting the planning stages, at least for surveying and stuff, is, um, is good news. Now, again, this is Germany. I don't think that they're going to move quite as fast as what they did in China. And we'll talk about China here in just a second. Um, but it really bodes well that Tesla is on, you know, on you know their their plans are moving forward and they do need to do something in Europe because uh, you know they have um, issues with importing and you know the cost you know the cars cost a little bit more and stuff like that so anyways all good news speaking of which let's talk about China real quick um, what, what is today here today is the ninth so two days ago officially uh, Tesla started deliveries of the made in China Model 3s um, at the Gigafactory 3 location in Shanghai. Elon actually flew in for some of the ceremonies. Now, I'll link to some videos. You guys can watch it. And um, it was it was pretty interesting. I mean, you know, there's some hiccups, obviously, with um, you know translations that are going on and stuff. But I think the best part of the whole presentation is Elon's uh, dance that went viral. Now, if you guys haven't seen it, I got a little short clip here. I'll just put it up. You guys can't see it, but here's Elon on stage with the presenter. This is courtesy of Bloomberg, by the way. And uh, Elon's just kind of getting into the groove a little bit, and eventually he just, he, now he starts going. I don't have the music playing, by the way. But um, <laughs> Elon, Elon doing the Elaine. Yeah, Elaine. Yeah, if you haven't, yeah, if we don't know what Elaine we're talking about here is, uh, there's an episode of um, Seinfeld back in the '90s. It was quite hilarious. Here's Elon. He's tearing off his jacket, and he's just going to town. Uh, yeah, he's yeah he's doing the Egyptian thing. He was having a lot of fun. Now I don't know if there was uh, 
alcohol involved, but you certainly have a good time. Well, Elon, don't give up your day were, job. There Elon. was some interesting timing where uh, Grimes, uh, his current love interest, Ooh. had an Instagram post about that kind of was cryptic in nature and also NSFW for those of you who haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were some people questioning, does that mean she's pregnant? So if he found out, you know, hours before <laughs> the post that he's going to be a dad, I mean, you never know if he was uh, drinking the party punch, but uh, either way, it's just nice to see him relax in an environment like that. But yeah, exactly. go ahead, Ian. Yeah, I just want to know, like, what what are your guys' take on that? Because that was a big talking point at work today. And, like, I don't all, like, care. Does you know what? It doesn't matter. Like, we. I'm I, listen. It's just having a baby. If it's really a thing, can we just move on? Like, I'm someone who says, "Great, congratulations." He's got kids already from his prior relationships. So what? Like it, it, we we make we put too much emphasis on celebrities or people of fame, and we we focus on their private life too much. You want to talk on his work with SpaceX or the Boring Company or Tesla? I'm all for that. But what happens is private life to me. I don't care. That's his private life. I wouldn't want my life showcased for the world to see all the time. So frankly, I don't care. I know there's an audience that's that you know has a has a satiate appetite for that, but I'm I'm just not one of them. I, I'm with you on that. Uh, honestly, I didn't care, and I saw the tweets and I saw the speculation stuff, and I didn't retweet. I didn't comment on any of that stuff. Uh, personally, it's. It's, a, it's his personal life. I, I you know, that's yeah. not of interest to me as, as far as what's going on. If they are having a baby, well, congratulations. That's all great. But in the grand scheme of things, it's none of our business. Um, no, and but, I'm uh, with both of you on that. You know, it's it's like um, I, I don't I don't follow any of that stuff at all. I'm interested, you know, if I'm interested in, in, in any kind of artist or actor or whatever, it's I, it's for their work. It's really what they do in their own spare time. I think we have way too much of an obsession with that in Western culture. Um it just was a weird, it just com caught me completely off guard. So that was one of the rare instances where I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, she, she is a bit of a strange person, um, yep. but that's probably part of her marketing aspect. I don't know. But uh, anyways, you can look for it. You can, uh, you can certainly Google it. Matter of fact, I actually spent a little bit of time in my car today because I'd never listened to her music. So I just went into Spotify, typed in Grimes, listened to it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, not so bad. It's, you know, it's not something I would normally listen to all the time. Coming from a guy who listens to a lot of Dead Mouse, but that's just me. <laughs> Anyways, check it out for yourself. All right, moving on. Uh, prior to the yeah, prior to the uh, deliveries that happened in China, there was a rumor going around. Um, now, this our article here is courtesy of uh, Tesla Roddy again that there was a leaked photo that showed Model Y um, could potentially begin production. Um, as of tomorrow, this was the day before. Now, of course, this is not what happened. That's not what they announced. Um, but Elon did confirm that, um, of course, as we've known in the past, in case you don't know, that Model Three or Model Y will be produced at Gigafactory Three in China, as well as Fremont. So there was a lot of speculation going on. I think going to start production in China before Fremont. So we still think that um, Model Y should be produced somewhere the you know what what were you thinking in march april time frame should be about yeah i was i was saying late spring early june yeah somewhere in yeah. there which is which is all good um but elon did say and did confirmed at the gigafactory 3 uh for the model 3 deliveries that tesla is going to uh is planning to build a new design slash engineering center in china where they will create an original car for worldwide consumption so not not just for the asian market and, the, and they would be doing some radical designs similar to Cybertruck. Uh, wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that. 
I think what's going on here is that there's a possibility. And of course, when the Cybertruck was announced, everybody was doing all these, remember everybody was going on Twitter and doing all these concepts of like what a Cybertruck sedan would look like in this mm-hmm. and that. Thing. Cyber Roadster, Cyber Sedan, yeah. So maybe maybe this is not quite so far-fetched after all. Maybe Tesla's seen that the demand and the likes for the Cybertruck, not, all the, not everybody likes them. You know, our good friend Mark Benton, we love you, but he doesn't like the Cybertruck, which is all fine. Um, You're not alone, Mark. <laughs> I, I think he'll change his tune. Like I, I, I think he'll change his tune when he drives it. But irrespective, what do you guys think? I mean, is do you think the Cybertruck idea design is something that people would appreciate in a sedan or or be parlayed to the rest of the product line? No. Or do you really think is is that it's just the pickup truck only thing? I mean, we oh have talked God. about this, but I want your. I mean, Eric, <laughs> we know your feelings. <laughs> All right, I'll just leave right now. See you guys later. <laughs> All right. No, I know. I know Eric hates the idea. I, I understand. I he He's not alone. It's a super polarizing design. I mean, we've been talking about it for for weeks now. But you're right. There was a huge amount of interest, like people speculating and saying, "How cool would it be if you could have a cyber car?" And I gotta admit, I'm part of that crowd. I would be really interested if they made like a compact sedan. A coupe would be awesome because mm. that's really what I want. Um, but yeah, like a real practical little hatchback coupe. You know, just like a, a two-thirds scale Cybertruck would be awesome. And to me, it's a really interesting trade-off. It's not that I think it's particularly beautiful. I think it's shocking looking. And that's what I dig. It's just so friggin' weird. <laughs> I've grown to love it for its weirdness. But it's the practicality of it. It's the, you know, like, we're all so bizarrely obsessed now with parking our cars six miles away. God forbid the aluminum doors should get a ding in them or whatever. Oh, you know? I you know. can sledgehammer these things all day long. You don't have to wash them. You don't have to do squat. You know, it's like the lazy man's dream. So just for the practicality of the design and also living in Quebec, which is like salt heaven and never having to worry that this thing's ever going to corrode. Like there's a lot of huge bonuses with that uh, with that particular design Mm -hmm. that I think would appeal. Now, would it have wide market? Well, I don't know. Wide market appeal. That's that's tough to say, but it remains to be seen some of them for sure. Well, I'll be curious to see. I mean, China's got a lot of cool ideas. I mean, if you look at the Chinese market in terms of EV startups, I mean, God, you, I mean, you can't spit without seeing some kind of EV startup in China. And they have some really cool ideas. BYD has a, a new concept that they just showed off at the CES show. It looks really, really slick. Um, I do believe that Fisker used some Chinese um, design engineers over there. I mean, there's some stuff like the Faraday Future. Faraday never, but whatever. Uh, there's no shortage of good design coming out of China in a lot of ways. So I think this, it's an untapped market. And I think Tesla's smart about doing that. Now, they did say that they were going to do something, I think, in, I think it was in Europe, right? They were going to start a design studio. I believe they said that. I could be wrong on that. But I do remember him saying something about Would something make sense. to that to that effect. So, um, oh, speaking of which, before I forget, Elon did mention in the speech as well that uh, Model Y will be featuring some new manufacturing techniques. So, if you're not familiar with this, we've talked about this on the show before. Tesla does have at least two patents out as far as manufacturing is concerned. One of them um, is for the actual bottom part of the chassis of the Model Y being a cast piece of aluminum. So they've taken out this patent for this massive machine that they've built. So that's going to be one of the items that we expect to see happen. The other one is possibly, and we haven't had this confirmed yet, but there's been a lot of talk about this new wiring harness that they developed so that robots can actually install it and clip everything together without having to have human hands involved. That's another patent they put out. I think that came out in March of this year. 
Um, and who knows? Maybe some other stuff that we haven't seen yet. Anyways, he said that that was going to be revealed in the near future. So whenever we see Model Y, we'll find out about it. I'd love to be able to get a hold of one of these things and actually tear some of it apart to see exactly what they've done. I'm sure there's going to be some enterprising people on YouTube that are going to do that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, another article from our friends at Tesserati. <laughs> this one is really interesting. Tesla will provide cars for Daimler and BMW subsidiaries mobility service. This has got to hurt. Um, they basically say that the latest report by German publication, oh my gosh, I can't even pronounce this. Uh, so the Deutsch, okay, I'm hope I probably butchered that. I apologize. Uh, they revealed the plan of a mobility provider three now, uh, free now, formerly known as MyTaxi, to buy electric cars from Tesla. The company is one of the leading mobility providers in Europe, with its services available in over 100 cities and more than 100,000 drivers using its service. Um, they go on to say that the Hamburg-based um, mobility company has, was established in 2009. Uh, then it was bought by Daimler in 2014. Last year, Daimler partnered with BMW for its mobility operations, and both company, uh, both companies, promises to pour in a billion euros to help scale the brand. <sighs> All right, guys, thoughts on this? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I think I, if I recall correctly, in reading the story, they're simply just adding to their existing fleet. Uh, so they obviously have cars that are not electric as part of their fleet already. Um, I think it's good to just add some some versatility and some flexibility to what your fleet even has. Um, if you know, if it's like uh, rideshare applications where you can select the type of vehicle you want, if, you know, if it's for a uh, luxury car or something more efficient, uh, and that's a service that they're providing as well, then fantastic. It also happens to help the company's bottom line because you're not spending on fuel costs. You're just using, you know, rechargeable infrastructure in those areas, which we know Europe is full of them. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a win-win for everybody, but it you know helps Tesla in terms of its sales numbers, but it also helps those uh, that are interested in you know having more of these taxis, and especially if robo taxi programs come online sometime uh, in the next five to ten years, then you essentially now already have some of those cars that can be driverless. Uh, in the future. We do know that German companies do admire Tesla's engineering. They've bought Model mm -hmm. 3s. All of them have. And they've torn them apart. And we've heard through the grapevines that they've been summarily impressed with Tesla's, um, what they brought to the market with those cars. So obviously some of that stuff, I mean, listen, this is not uncommon. All the car manufacturers do that. They buy each other's products. They tear them apart. It helps with their competitive advantage and planning for the future and stuff. But uh, yeah, I you know, I really wish we'd see more. I mean, it's frustrating. I mean, I just tweeted out an article yesterday that uh, BMW has basically said that uh, we're not giving up on gas cars. We're going to have gas cars at least for the next 30 years. And, mm -hmm. we're, you know, the EV market, nobody wants EVs in, in, in the U.S. I'm like, really, guys? Oh, my like, God. Oh, it's like. Well, you know what? All right. So I don't I don't agree with it 100 percent, but I will at least sort of kind of say this uh, that's in support of that is. Do you, do you guys know roughly how many uh, auto sales, I think in 2018, were EV in North America? Depends I mean, on the market. Overall, North America? It's overall. Uh, of, the total, of the total market, how many were electric? Oh, oh it's less than 1%. It's about 2%. Close That's to 2%. Oh, two? Yeah, it's about 2%. Over. So when you think in terms of those numbers of total automotive sales and only about 2% were electric vehicles, Granted, that's 2018, but that's when Model 3 was really hitting its stride in terms of mass production numbers. And it still only accounted for about 2% of the total market with all other brands out there like Chevy and others. It's understandable 
that some are reluctant to just make the leap into going electric without having the gas cars because there are some owners that are going to stick to their guns and always want a gasoline vehicle. You don't want to actually alienate those customers. And right now, there's no incentive. There's no push both in terms of government legislation and other localities that are really trying to get incentives put out there to make it worthwhile for someone saying, yeah, we'll go electric. I mean, if, if I'm someone who drives a gas car, and you tell me, tell you what, if you buy an electric car, we will come to your home, install a charging station for you, and even give you a discount on your electric bill. A person might go, well, then if it's going to save me more money and you're making it worth my time and money, then sure, I might do that. Well, that doesn't happen. There's not a lot of programs that are out there in the world. So so I get that there are executives in some of these companies saying, yeah, we might offer one or two as an option, but we're not making it our, our creme de la creme of our fleet. It's understandable because right now, how is the world transitioning into renewable energy? We know we talk about it, but where's the major push to do that? Um, it's not happening globally. And I think even China is one of those that while they're trying to do some things, um, they're one. I mean, I mean, right now, U.S., China, other countries are leading producers of pollution in the world. We're trying to do things better, but we're, we're clearly not doing enough. Um, we hear all the time now about how climatologists are saying that our forecasts on, on climate change, the numbers are actually worse than what we predicted. It's happening at a faster rate. So, yeah, a lot of this legacy mentality still exists. So I don't, I don't shame them for it. It's unfortunate. But the world around us is telling us where's the push to change it. Because even the consumer is the one that dictates that because they're not not buying gas cars all of a sudden, especially if only two, maybe four percent after 2019 account for the whole entire market. And I'm with you on all of that. And I think that that kind of correlates with somebody releasing a plan saying, well, we're going to continue to build gas cars for another five to 10 years. I mean, I still think that's stretching it a bit. But for mm -hmm. them to come out and say a figure like, oh, no, we're going to have gas cars for at least 30 years is patently insane. I mean, cars won't look anything like what we, we have today in 30 years. I mean, think of how fast technology is advancing. To make a statement that goes out three decades, I don't know what the point was, but it was almost like defiant, like, you know, screw yeah. you guy. We're going to be doing this forever. It's like, you yeah. know, that, well, you, that's, they're on drugs at this point. You're not going to see gas cars at CES. just doesn't happen. Everything is electric no. now. This no, has been I mean, happening over the last... Say yeah, four and years we're, at we're 2% now, but it's soon going to hit four, and then, then that's going to become eight, and then that's going to become 16. I mean, we're, we're at the hockey stick point here. This sure. thing is on a rocket ride for the next yeah. 10 years. So to say in 30 years, you're, you're still in that business. Ooh. Well, I, I fear for them because they may end up uh, waking up someday, uh, and it's probably too late for them. They've been sitting on their laurels for so oh. long, and uh, things are not like rosy with the... hell of a time catching Well, it. the things is, are not... I was going to say, it's one thing to say we're going to continue producing it. It's a whole different thing to say how many and how much of our market will be produced that are gas. You know, like if, if I'm if I'm producing, if I'm Apple and I'm producing an iPhone now, um, you know, maybe 20 years from now, the way we use mobile devices totally changes where you don't even have to hold the device in your hand. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. we've had the glasses experiment and whatever, but imagine we get to a point where literally there is no, it's a cashless economy and you're not holding phones. You just walk up to a device and you think of what you want to order and it comes out. I mean, yeah. we don't know what technology is going to reveal in the next several decades. But that being said, if Apple came out today and said, we're not going to produce any more iPhones in the next after five years from now, people would go freaking nuts. Going, How can you not <laughs> do this? Kill right? your business. So any, any, any stark idea such as this one where we're going to continue producing cars for the next three decades 
yeah, it sounds kind of crazy on the surface. And I'm with you, Ian, on, on your points are certainly very valid. But I also feel like I go back to what I said before is they don't have a reason to not do that. They're looking at the market. They're seeing their numbers. They have their stockholders. They have their buyers. They have their consumers. You know, they have their legacy owners. Nothing tells them they should be changing that mindset in the next 5, 10, 20 years. They may decide 10 years from now the market bears differently. And they say, okay, no, we really have to change that. But there's nothing wrong with saying it today. Whether it materializes in 30 years, we're going to find out. But I don't see the harm in saying it today. What, where, what's, where's the incentive to change it right now? Yeah. So. Well, we'll keep an eye on it, but it's uh, yeah. sad for those guys. And things are not rosy on the other side of the um, fence, too, because, I mean, the EQC, for example, the uh, Mercedes one, um, has not been selling very well. Now, there's a lot of people that have been saying, well, it's not necessary because of demand because there are some tariffs or something like that or some um, um, incentives that haven't come in yet and stuff like that. So that may change for them. And, um, you know, even though BMW, or, uh, Volkswagen, for example, has started production of the ID3, which looks very promising as far as I'm concerned, but uh, they've all been held back because of software problems. So they've got this huge fleet of cars that they've built that they can't sell yet because the software's broken. So they got to go back and because they can't do it over, over the air. Now they got to send out technicians to fix all these things. So anyways, you know, when Elon says that, uh, you know, takes good software engineering, um, yeah, I believe it, especially because yeah. all these car companies are putting so much tech now into these new modern cars, especially with the electric ones now that uh, they really got to get their collective, you know, went together. Anyways, enough talk about that. Let's move on. Ah, another article from our friends at Tesla Roddy. Uh, this one's really interesting. I caught this one just late today. Tesla is returning to the pwn-to-own hacking competition with a Model 3 as a target and a prize. Now, this is not... Um, new news because they did do it last year. Mm-hmm. So last year made headlines when they offered a mid-range Model 3 rear-wheel drive as a prize at the Pwn to Own ha- uh, ha- Hacking Competition, which allowed them to win the vehicle and over $350,000 in prize money. Uh, Tesla obviously is a company that never likes to sit still. So this year they're going back and armed with a much more secure Model 3 because, you know, some of the... Uh, Flaws that they found in it have been patched. This time around, Tesla's offering three tiers of prizes for hackers who can find vulnerabilities in the Model 3. Hackers who wish to claim the highest tier one prize would need to pivot through multiple systems in the car to find vulnerabilities. But if they are successful, they will win the Model 3 and half a million dollar prize. But that's not all. Contestants can also aim to acquire additional options to increase the cash prize to $700,000. Oh, and, and also uh, get a shirt that says, I hacked the Model 3 and all I got was a stupid t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. I like this. I mean, we just talked about the other manufacturers struggling with software, and here's Tesla saying, here you go. Go crazy. I well, love it. It, it serves, a, it serves a, a double-pronged approach. The first is, if there are flaws, you then learn how to make your, your system more secure and more stable. But secondly, it's just fun to get people to come out there and go, I can do it. You know, that that ego, the challenge of it just makes people want to want to do it. So it's good. If, if I mean, I look forward to finding out if someone can, in fact, hack into the car because, you know, as, as oh, and they will. Well, I'm saying, but as software engineers and as security specialists, you always want to know. I mean, you, it's, it's like when you write your own paper. You could read it time and again. You may not see the mistakes, but you hand it to somebody else, and they can find seven errors in it just in the first paragraph. Um, you know, you're blinded by your own work, so it's good to hand off the vehicle and go, okay, now you guys take a look at it. And then, you know, you find out what's wrong, and you fix it. 
it's very important that these cars, because they're getting more and more connected, especially with the Teslas now, because, you know, over-the-air software updates, private VPN connections to that office, that these things get beat up on by the hackers to trying to find the vulnerabilities. Yeah. I mean, what was it just less than a few years ago where Jeep, FCA, had a problem with the Cherokees where people could remotely take over the car's braking system? So that was a major fail on, this, on their part. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean... It, I mean, this stuff is important. Um, you know, I'm in the software uh, computer business, and, um, you know, I fix websites <laughs> that have been intruded by people and stuff all the time. So it's one of those things you got to be cognizant of. So I wish them all the best luck, and uh, you know what? May the best hacker win. Yeah. And uh, we are the beneficiaries because we get all the patches. So so somebody's going to be driving around in a nice Model 3 and a bucket of cash in their car. And also. a new referral code. <laughs> Use Earl's <laughs> referral code. <laughs> Uh, well, that's most of the news that we have. Let me see here. Just double check, make sure I didn't miss anything. No, we didn't. Um, any thoughts before we get into questions? Crickets. No, we got crickets. a lot of questions. No, wait. We got a lot of questions. So we're going to take this opportunity here. We're going to take a very short break to hear from one of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. We're going to answer your viewer and listener questions. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla. We were meant for each other. Well, it's that time on the show where we answer your viewer and listener questions. First question comes from our friend Jay, uh, and I know where this is coming from. He says, uh, what steering mode do you use, comfort, standard, or sport, and why? The reason he's asking this is because <laughs> I did a video, I did a ride-along with my friend um, Mark uh, a few days ago, and uh, I happened to slip it out that um, I use comfort mode. And Jay's like, why are not you, you got a P3D, why are you not using sport? I don't know, I'm an old man, man, it's just the way, <laughs> just the way I like my steering. Oh, there are times I will switch I it. Sport. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, I love having sport mode, are you kidding me? Minimal movement on the wheel, it's just, oh uh, yeah, you know what the car is doing, it's fantastic. You know what, I'll probably use it when I go down to Florida. I'm not, I'm not driving a Cadillac. No, I, um, I, I, God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but you know, in the summer, especially when I have the really wide tires on, I generally run comfort because there's so much feedback from them. That's like it. The I quit the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. My cover's blown now. I'm a wimp. Oh no! Oh yeah. no! Well, I run my winter tires. I run standard because I find comfort with the winter tires. The steering is so light to begin with. Like there's like no feedback. It's like just super airy. I can't handle it. Yeah, but, it's it's terrible right now because with... <laughs> we are old. Oh yeah. my god! Um, that is a factual statement. Yeah, um, yeah. Right now, it's pretty bad because you know, with winter tires, with the tread being so high and stuff, everything is squishy on the car. Um, I, I put it back to standard Trev. That's that's what I do uh, yeah? for winter tires. Yeah, you'll find it's way better because it okay, is way. I'll do that. Comfort with winter tires. All right. Well, that's what I'll do for my coffee morning. These Canadians continues enlightening conversation about oh, snowy sorry. weather. All right. Moving along here. Next question comes from Fawad. <laughs> uh, Fawad asks: Is Tesla using a combination of one-click shopping and no refund policy on their upgrade options as a mean to boost sales? With no confirmation of purchase, owners are likely to inadvertently become owners of FSD. It's all part of the master plan. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. It, I think it's, if you're doing it through the app, that's one thing. If you're doing it on the website, I think it's different. 
Uh, but you have to be very careful because if you have your credit card on file with Tesla, that's where it's mm-hmm. going to get charged, right? Um, obviously, you don't have much of a choice these days with the Model 3 being, you know, pay-as-you-go supercharging. You have to have a credit card on file and be able to use that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. He, you, can he, also, he, you can also use Apple Pay on your phone. That's true. So there's a double click there. I mean, other people may have something different, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I bought FSD with the car, so I actually go into my on my tab that says upgrades on my car. It says, wah, wah, there's nothing you can buy because you got everything. So for now, who knows what else they're going to bring up, right? So yeah, um, it probably brings up a good point. You've got to be careful with that because you never know, right? I mean, it wouldn't matter if you're buying a $5 item on Amazon or any other e-commerce platform or, you know, if you're spending seven grand on FSD, the reality is you have just to be conscientious of when you're tapping it, almost all these resources are like, are you sure? And then, you know, just Mm -hmm. kind of be that. But I mean, you, you, you have to really go through the steps to get this added to your car. Like, I mean, when something, I mean, for someone to even theoretically ask, like, can it be a mistake? Like you have to really screw up to make that a major mistake. Um, so, you know, make sure you don't butt order FSD, I guess, is the, <laughs> the story here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, well, the other option, of course, call your credit card company and lower your limit. But maybe that's, that's probably the name reasonable. of the show now. Don't <laughs> butt order don't, FSD. I, I would agree. That's, yeah, that's what we're going to do. All right. Next question comes from Carlo. He says, do you guys have to yell for voice commands? I've noticed at times when, uh, when I do, even when I'm not... Um, in the highway. I, I have to agree, there's times when it doesn't pick up the very first time, and I have to raise my voice to get it to come up. Um, have you guys noticed that? I want the three hot dogs! Yeah, I, I'm i fine. Bacon, not hot dogs. I'm sorry, bacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. It, it's really weird in mine, and this has been going on a long time. I know we've all had difficulties uh, with the new voice commands. You know, the servers were overloaded for the first few days, etc., but ever since I've had the car, every so often, it just acts like it doesn't hear me at all. And I can mm-hmm. scream at it. It won't do a thing. And then I've I'll had it for th- a while, even before the updates. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, it's just a little, you know, one out of ten times or something. Like, you press the button, yeah. and, boop, and then you say, like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, like, uh, play B-52s or something. And it just doesn't understand. It keeps asking you, please say something. Voice commands are very early days right now. I've noticed with texting, when I get a text message comes in. Mm-hmm. It, it's fine when I hit reply and I dictate nothing comes up so I kind of trust that it works and I press works send and it okay. does send but most of the time it doesn't dictate it so I don't know maybe I gotta give my car another quick reboot but uh, I mean you can roam if you want to yeah it has been a little buggy and we are certainly working on it by the way I should mention one more time I did do a video a few days ago there is a glossary or a reference a web app that you can actually well it's not a web app you actually download onto your phone I did a video on it it's called voice you can download it it's tesla voices uh, tesla voice.glideapp.io and it's a web view app um, because what the guys are doing is that um, it is referencing a crowdsource Google spreadsheet of all the found commands and I haven't looked at how many we found so far as of today but when I did the video it was about 120 121 commands um, so if you're still trying to learn how to use the voice command system in the car well we've been documenting it on the forum and these guys wrote a really cool web app you can put on the phone so anyways check it out what do you think of the voice the, that responds when it reads messages to oh you? it's the same one they use for navigation isn't it it's like that Google thing that's going on I wish there was a way we could change it change it Right? I'd cool? love to change it. I'd like to have like Morgan Freeman talking to me on my phone. 
just have like the ways out. Christopher Wacken. Yeah, Christopher Wacken. How great would it be if it was Elon's voice? Oh, uh, 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 uh. right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. tweet that out, Adam. Tell him we got to do that. <laughs> we have all to. of our listeners are now tweeting Elon. Make it your voice. Elon, yeah. it your voice. Yeah, let's do and it. Not man. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. That's not. That's not a good idea. You know, it's too bad. I, I will say that it's too bad. Douglas Rain is no longer with us because he would make oh, an awesome voice. Oh, Hal nine thousand. That would. Be I'm so sorry, cool. Ian. I can't do that. Oh, that'd be creepy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Next question comes from Bill. He says, do the brake lights come on when re- when regressive brakes are working? I think he's talking about regenerative regen, braking. Right. When regen. yeah. uh, yes. The answer is yes. Um, Tesla's yeah. algorithm is such that it actually simulates you braking. The brake lights come on. It's simulated just like if you were braking. Don't worry mm-hmm. about it. It takes care of everything. Mm-hmm. All right. Next uh, question comes from our friend Pierre. He says, safety concerns since you have Elon Musk's attention. Only occasionally. Anyways, um, I, I am. Su- <laughs> um, he says I am suggesting to add an off control for the wiper manual setup in Canada and Quebec. Winter brings very difficult visibility concerns, and being able to put wipers off would help. Last update makes uh, auto automatic very crazy. Um, wait. Um, you, is he saying he, he can't turn off his wipers? Pierre is not aware um that you can shut them off and actually i'll i'll be the first to admit i had the car six months before i i figured this out oh just, come on dear God, i did not know this if you just hold the button down for what two three seconds boop, no, you shut. no if you just if you when you bring the card up if you just tap the logo where it says the wiper you just it, you toggle it on and off that's it yeah you or, hold it. or you single wipe and it comes up automatically yeah. tap it yeah, and turn it, turn it off yeah, yeah you definitely so can. don't know i mean voice commands turn wipers off that works too um, yeah, uh, well, Pierre also had a follow-up command, uh, question. He says, since you have Elon Musk's attention again, I'm suggesting you provide a very small glycol spray inside the rear camera so then when you put the vehicle in reverse, the lens is clean. You know what? I would, that, I would love that because if, my rear camera gets really dirty and I rely on the backup camera quite a bit. Well, and, you um, know, we talked about this on an earlier show, and I am dead serious. I think this is going to be a huge problem for FSD in markets such as ours if it doesn't get addressed. You have to have something to clean the lenses, especially with salt. Once salt builds up on there and keeps drying off, it like the and whole a hybrid, thing. I, and I'm sorry, a, hydro, a hydrophobic coating does not help with that. No, it, it only helps with water. Anything. If you get so, minerals or anything on there when it dries, it still gets deposited. I'm telling you, well, I'm already ways to integrate like a little pod that would add on to the both to the repeater cams and to the rear where you could then you know create a retrofit kit to put washers into them so my question is because i live in uh a not frigid climate uh we call it florida uh you know or the the taint of the united states um (laughs) if you i didn't know that you learn something new every day um, if you have a vehicle in cold climates like that, I mean, obviously, you know, I've seen drivers with ice scrapers or their windshields and when there's frost and things like that. Um, what would your routine be if you didn't have a car with cameras on it that you had to treat before you could drive onto the road? What, what are some routine things you would do as Canadians? Well, if, if you're a normal person, you would actually uh, sweep the snow off your car and scrape your windows properly. However, mm-hmm. there are many people down here who do the absolute bare minimum, which is six square inches on the front of the window, and that's okay. it. Not even the side windows. Don't take the snow off the top of the car, driving around with a foot of snow. There are some real idiots out there, let me tell you. 
And thankfully, okay. you will get ticketed for that. Certainly, in Quebec and Ontario. So until such time uh, that it's possible, whether it's through technology or from other means, would just manually taking your glove and just swiping the lens be I am sufficient? in the habit of doing that. Okay. Yeah. The ritual for, for us all up here. It's okay. the first thing. You, you know, like pilots do the walk around in the car. I do my sure. camera. And this and this is irrelevant whether your car is garage kept or not, because I know, obviously, if you have salt in the roads, just the driving, even keeping it overnight in your car. Yeah, your car is not exposed to the elements, but whatever minerals are on your vehicle from the commute into your house are now going to dry overnight in your car. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but I'll tell you, it happens almost instantaneously. Like if my car is really and I hit the road and we've got a typical Quebec road where there's this perfect mixture of slushy snow, uh, water and uh, and salt. Mm-hmm. Within two to five minutes of driving, the side cameras are so badly covered that the FSD wow. not coming back until I stop the car and clean them. And then it will is last that... about five minutes of on the road. Heated again. spray washers would go a long way. And this is not out of the ordinary. It's many German cars that have them for headlights. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, do you get a lot of alerts with uh, AP and stuff on your screen as far as blind side detection? Yeah. Left it's cameras right. obscured. No yeah, autopilot for you. Exactly. Wow. Basic autopilot, like lane keeping, works pretty reliably because that only needs mm-hmm. the three forward-looking cameras. So that right. thing yes. works almost in any condition. But it goes to prove that if, if you just have something to keep the cameras clean. I, I will say I experienced it the other day when we went down to Niagara Falls with some friends of ours in the car. And um, it hadn't snowed all that much. And it was snow was building up. And it just froze just the right way on the front of my car. And I lost... Um, I lost traffic wear, cruise control, and auto steer. I had to literally stop on the side of the road and brush the snow or the slush or whatever it was on the whole nose of the car uh, because yeah. the radar couldn't see anything. And, it's, and of yeah, course, and, got and, in the car and everything came back. And do you know what? I'm, I'm now thinking back to when they were testing Model 3 and all the various climate environments around the world when they were even like shipping the car to different places to, to drive the vehicle. I wonder if they learned some things in those initial tests. Uh, that they're going to develop in the future. Because when I mentioned on one of our recent shows about FSD, I don't see it coming out this year in a way that's going to be viable uh, for a lot of data uh, other than just getting some very, very preliminary data points uh, for in those cars. It largely is for things like this where there are some limitations based on various climates. And right now, winter is obviously happening in the Northern Hemisphere. The majority of people do experience, uh, you know, weathery conditions that are sleet, snow, hail, you know, some frigid conditions where someone like me in Florida is like, hey, it doesn't we don't really have that problem. So testing that here is fine. But if the majority of the world is above the equator and the majority of them are experiencing snowy conditions, I kind of wonder how they could do that long term. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I don't have any evidence of this, but it's just a gut feeling that when mm-hmm. Tesla does cold weather testing of the cars for any new car that they develop uh, before they release them, I think it's drivetrain related. Mm. I don't think it's about much else other than that. I mean, yeah, okay, if a door freezes, it's like, okay, it's one thing, but I think it's mostly drivetrain related. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure lots of engineers are shaking their hands at us right now. Yeah. But I don't see any evidence of it because if you guys actually thought this thing through, we wouldn't be talking about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's really the only winter failing of the car. Um, so I have to think they did their homework and the rest of it. Like we know they went through some charge port problems early on. Like I had my charge port changed, as many people did, mm-hmm. because of the, the pin freezing. But the rest of it has worked fantastically well. I mean, you know, all this stuff about the door handles and the windows and all these other things you'd figure a California car company would not be able to figure out. That stuff's all been working great. 
So overall, the, the car is like a 99% success. Right. I mean, I've had my door, I've, I had my door not, handles freeze the other day and, and quick one yeah, Exactly. Oh, it's no big deal. So, so overall, I think they did an excellent job, but this is just the one glaring thing. And I have to think it's like the, like it's to your point, glaring thing. Yeah, well, exactly. It, it, it's like yeah. as if when they did all their cold weather testing, they were really, like you say, Trev, it's like, okay, let's let's work on the HVAC, on the drivetrain, the battery heating, um, the car's dynamics, you know, all that stuff that's super well sorted. And somehow it's like, hmm, maybe we should go for a drive on a really salty day <laughs> and see what happens with the cameras. Yeah, I think Tesla should have a uh, more, of, uh, more of an engineering presence. We do know that they have an engineering presence in Montreal. I've been told that many occasions whenever well, I had issues is like the relay zone there so much of the technicians uh work up here gets fed back piped directly um into the um into the network back in california that i've talked to a few of those service guys here and it's like oh yeah we're, we talk to them all the time for this well reason. i would just uh, all i have to say is i would implore tesla you know probably too late for model y at this point but maybe for cybertruck send some engineers up here and do some winter testing in real world conditions all right, time to move on here. Uh, next question comes from our friend Lars at uh, Tesla Para Todos YouTube channel. Hey, Lars, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for submitting a question. He says, hey, guys, Elon wants to design a car in China. Imagine a Tesla design in China for Europe and Asia. What would that car look like? What innovative features would you imagine? Why design it in China, not Hawthorne? What do you guys, how do you think Franz feels, Franz feels right now? Uh, well, we did mention a little bit earlier that, uh, yeah, that is the plan um, to put a design center in China. Um, and we did talk very quickly about the possibility of more of a Cybertruck type of influence in other cars. Um, I don't know. I think, like I said before, I think there's there's some there's an untapped market. I think a lot for some some designers in China and stuff. Um, as far as Franz is concerned, I mean, he's the chief man. I think he would still have say on yeah. just about everything that goes on. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the way Tesla operates. Um, I don't know. I, Any, what do you guys think? I think there's a little bit of a PR relations thing there too, because don't forget they're the first car company that set up their own factory um, that is not owned in majority by the Chinese. That's never happened before. That's true. Maybe this is kind of a little play. It's like, look, we'll give you some some extra cred here. You know, like we'll we'll open up a design center in China. You know, that obviously is going to be like a little crown jewel china to say hey look we've got a tesla design studio here you know yeah so i'm thinking that place that's just me spitballing an idea. i don't know cool all right next question comes from don he says will we be able to keep our hardware 2.5 computer when upgraded to the fsd or hardware 3 the answer is no no tesla wants those computers back they do not want those computers no. out in the open there have been some hackers out there, namely the Green the Only, who's fantastic with autopilot stuff, but he buys uh, those off of eBay, probably from parted out cars and stuff like that. So, By the way, if you'd like to have him on the show, um, I'm in a very um, nice way, <laughs> ask him. I, I reached out to him, and uh, he politely declined at this point, but uh, I'd love to have him on the show. So, Anyways, so would hey, I. Some people don't succumb to peer pressure, okay, Trevor? You can't just tweet <laughs> at Elon and he's going to answer everyone's question like, okay, guys, I'll go on your show now. Guys. Elon, you're welcome to come on the show anytime you like. Yes, if please. you are listening. We, we beg of thee. <laughs> yes. We're not begging anybody. 
All right, moving on. Next question comes from Martin. He says, guys, love the show since day one. Oh, thank you, Martin. We really appreciate that. Every now and then, uh, could you please promote level one trickle charging? <laughs> Too many people are bashing. Oh, it's so slow. Yes. However, charge at home or work uh, while idle. No expensive 240 install necessary. Best for the battery. The math is five miles per hour times 10 hours is times 365 days equals 18,000 miles a year, 7 billion miles a year, less pressure on the supercharger network comments. And thanks. Um, well, yeah, for, starter, I, for starters, no one's charging their car every day, 10 hours a day. Um, so. our, our Volt does. I mean, you know, because... Well, but I'm saying, like, depending battery. upon your... where. I mean, look, if you're talking about overnight charging, uh, sure, you could, but my if my car is at the office, you know, that's one thing. I may not be able to charge there, but... Um, I, the overall argument, regardless of the number, the overall argument is a valid one, which is charging the vehicle any chance you get, uh, especially if you drive a lot of commutes that are local. In fact, most people uh, drive under 40 miles a day, mm -hmm. um, which means if that metric is correct, then pretty much everybody can just use level one charging with an EV and you're totally covered. Um, I think the, uh, you know, the demand on supercharging is interesting, especially now that congratulations, Canada, you can now drive from coast to coast on the supercharging network. Woo woo. Uh, uh, hat tip to Evan X for posting that story about it. Um, but I will say that, um, I, I, you know, I'm someone who tries to use destination charging when I can. Um, I've yet to use a wall connection just because a lot of the ones that I have access to, my charging connection doesn't fit. The plug doesn't fit correctly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I rarely use supercharging anyway. Um, but I mean, there's valid points. He's, he's got a lot of valid points. Um, but I mean, there's tons of autos now that use level one charging, especially when there's shopping centers and the like that do offer free charging. Most of the time, they're level one wall chargers. If you don't have a choice, you don't have a choice. You got to use it. Um... I do know some people that have started with level one and they've been able to do it. I have a neighbor close to, not very mm -hmm. far from me, matter of fact, and he has a, he has a standard range model three mm -hmm. and uh, he charges on level one and he's been able to make it work for him. Although he did ask me to come over to help him out on a couple of things. And he says, yeah, I think I really need to put a 240 in, which is fine. Yeah. I know for me, Having the 240 is magnificent because I literally plug in the car and I never have to worry waking up in the morning. Did the car charge? Did I get enough charge? Yeah. It's like I never have to worry about it. I will say that I have been to uh, friends' places. Uh, my cousin in Montreal, for example. Um, I mean, the most I ever get out of his wall socket because he has a very old house is maybe eight amps. So it's dreadfully wow. slow. It's dreadfully yeah. slow. Um, so the times when I have used level one, it's like, okay... Um, if we need to go anywhere and I need a charge, uh, we're not using this car. We have to use something else. That's just me. Um, but those are those are very, very rare instances. And most of the time, like I said, I do all my charging at home. So I get it. I understand that. Um, start. I mean, I'm never going to say anybody, you need 240. I said 240 is preferable for daily driving so that you don't have any range anxiety concerns or battery charging concerns. We all know as EV owners that the number one question that people is out of, out of people's mouths when they consider these cars is what about the charging, right? And of course it opens up a big can of worms. So anyways, if you're thinking about a Model 3 or any Tesla or any EV for that matter, um, start with 120, see where it leads you. And then from that point, then you can make a decision, but don't let it be a deterrent for you not to get an EV. Oh, yeah. These are awesome. I've, I've always said, if you have an outlet somewhere, I have a gas station for exactly. my car. That's I can, I mean, you, if I plug it in, we're, we're good to go. And there's, there's outlets everywhere. 
I, I, do, I derive a perverse pleasure from charging off one ten. <laughs> plug this in like you know like your phone or or a hair dryer and puts that much energy into an object that can go screaming down the road you know at 90 miles an hour think about it like how much energy at the end of the day that'll accumulate overnight that it can do all mm -hmm. this work from this this lonely little plug in the wall you know i just yeah. i just yeah. think it's cool all right we got to move on here hair dryer. Uh, lots of questions to talk about here let's see here which one can we answer next okay. um Hey, our friend Raj. Raj submitted a question. Hey, Raj. Get out of here. He actually took the bet. All right. All right. All right. Raj says, thoughts on a dedicated Tesla team whose sole purpose is to sell or pitch custom solutions for big purchase orders for law enforcement, postal government, employee vehicles, taxi, etc. Many of these would not require or need AP system and stripping them out and providing a clean, fast, low maintenance car would allow for some large sales. Oh, man, I'm with you there. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, what, um, where was it? Was it in Illinois, the police department? Um, I tweeted it out the other day. I should have, should have recorded it. Um, Model 3. Where, yeah, they bought a Model 3. Now, it, in all fairness, they're in a small community, so they bought one car as a starting point, and they love it so much that they want to continue getting more for the rest of the fleet. Um, most of the cars in municipal areas are not driving all that much. They don't really need crazy amounts of range i think a long range model 3 is more than enough for these police departments these guys have shown that they can certainly do it i think it would be great and i think it needs more education on the police department's um thing however you also have to remember that there are incumbent car manufacturers out there who have large fleet deals going on with a lot of these places budgets are usually set years in advance mm -hmm. for the retirement of these cars and stuff so i don't think it's an easy solution to just say here you go you should be doing this i think there's there's some governmental stuff i think and but a lot of it uh, has to do it, you know what bureaucracy it's, at I, work bureaucracy at work yes but yeah. i will say this um sometimes and i do know some police and enforcement officers that are model 3 owners themselves mm -hmm. and that 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 ownership experience does permeate those departments and the word does get out so i think in due time it's not going to be immediate, but over time, I think you're going to start seeing more of these police departments actually starting to consider it now because it's like a virus, right? This Tesla thing gets into yep. the people and it gets into the department. So, and you know, you guys out there who, who know us, you know who you are. <laughs> Very good question, Raj. I, I believe you a hundred percent. I think it needs to happen. We're starting to see it with taxi fleets now. So as this visibility starts getting out there, I think the police departments and all the others will follow, but it's going to be an uphill battle. So if it's uh, if you have any pull with your um, with your local mayor or um, areas and stuff like that, um, it, it's an education thing. I'm you know we know our mayor here quite well, and um, he's just one of those guys. He, he's into it, um, but he's not an owner yet. So I think Tom. it takes it take, takes to be an owner thing. So anyways, moving along. Next question comes from Frome. He says, uh, "Pardon me." Um, do you think Tesla is sandbagging the performance and range of the Model Y on the website? Imagine they are showing conservative estimates. Model 3 has been upgraded over the last year. Uh, where do you think these figures will end up for the Model Y once they start to get delivered? Thanks, longtime viewer and Model 3 performance owner. The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, typical Tesla fashion, they sandbag their numbers. Um, they did it for Model 3. They've done it for Model S. I, I mean, you name the car. Um, They'll do it for Plaid. They will do it for the Plaid. They're all going to do it for the Roadster. I mean, we already know the Roadster spec numbers on the website are supposedly going to get better. And I do believe when they say that, that it will actually happen. So under promise, 
over deliver. deliver. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's their mantra. Now, by how much? Well, we're talking tenths of a second here. We're not talking like major league numbers and stuff, but definitely tenths of a second. I find it a very interesting question because Model Y was revealed in March, right? March. When did we get the first uh, 10% performance boost or first 5% performance boost? Sorry. Mm, Somewhere around summertime, I guess it was. Uh, It was late spring, I want to say. I think it was maybe a little, yeah. Well, we had two of them, so maybe that's why I'm getting confused. There was after the Model Y launch. Hard to say. I don't right? remember. I, I can't remember. This this year's been, I'm, I'm last year was a blur, <laughs> but I mean I don't remember. I don't keep a log of these things. Uh, you're not you're not old like us though, right? Hey, think about it. I mean, we're only uh, two months two months away from a year from when the Model Y was announced. Right. Well, here's here's my thought on this. It's because there's two things. We know traditionally that they've always sandbagged their numbers. Like whatever they publish, even if there's no change to the car whatsoever, you can go out and test it, and you're always going to beat their numbers. Mm-hmm. So that's the baseline that we know. Like you yeah. said, Trevor. They'll, it'll be a tenth or two quicker on, on the numbers yeah, that they generate. Exactly. So, However, they announced those numbers in March, and we've subsequently got, for sure, at least one 5% power boost, and perhaps both of them have occurred after those announcements. So I think Froman's question is, well, do those boosts apply to the Y? Because if they do, and theoretically, because it's a Model 3 drivetrain, they do, then already it's significantly better if it's got those boosts factored in. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think when we see the Model Y, we're, we'll, we will see some better numbers on this. We're going to see some, some yeah, a couple other things up their sleeve they haven't really talked about quite yet. Because, you know, Tesla's not one to put all their cards on the table all the time. They like mm-hmm. to I mean, if it's, if it's 5% faster, though, in terms of the acceleration, you're talking, what, maybe a tenth of one? Like, yeah, that's what we it's it's a t- it's a tiny it's a fractional number like it's not going to make that big a difference. I mean, I mean, look, I'm maybe I'm not a car guy to the extent where like these numbers, uh, you know, get me all aroused and stuff. But what I I would love our audience to and by all means tweet the show, <coughs> excuse me, tweet the show and let us know um, why do these numbers matter so much? If the car is advertised at say two point seven and someone on a on a flat course gets it to two point five, okay. That's one person driving it. Maybe ideal conditions, no wind, flat course, dry course, whatever it is. Um, you know, we, we're always going to see people go, okay, I can beat that. I can get 2.4. Oh, yeah. yeah, I get it. But it's still a bloody fast car, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. it to me, you know, whether we fiddle the numbers or not, who cares? Like, it's going to, is it going to all of a sudden make a person go, you know, I would have bought that car if it was only two tenths of a second faster. <laughs> <laughs> like no, you know what I mean. Like it's, yeah, yeah. I've already, pre- I already predicted in 2020 this thing's going to outsell the Model Three uh, in its initial yeah, yeah. launch. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the fascination is with performance and speed and numbers. But you yeah, just hit our it, bragging rights. It's this is the culture we're in. Ah, it's just it's <laughs> stupid. It's bravado. It's 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 masculinity masqueraded as a car. Like <laughs> no, it's can we cut the crap seriously? All right. Uh, next question comes from Ben. He says, I'm one of the new Tesla owners who helped Q4 stats grow. Hey, well, congratulations, Ben. I'm sure Tesla thanks you for that. Uh, yes, he says, I was supercharging in Colorado in minus 15 F temperatures. I heard a lot of metallic thumping sounds underneath. We know where this is going. Is this normal? Also, for mm-hmm. a new owner, what are the, some of the best ways to manage phantom drain? I feel I lose 3 to 5% when the car sits overnight. Not too big of an issue, but if there are ways uh, that could work out the settings, I'd improve that drain. I love the show. You guys are the best. Thank you. Um, yes, the thumping sounds you have are completely normal on the Model 3. Um, as the battery pack heats up and stuff, it causes the floor pans on the car to what we call oil can, which is heat expansion, just makes it go thump, 
and then when it cools, it boom, comes back completely normal. It freaks mm-hmm. people out the first time. It, you know, I had forgotten about it the first time, and I was like, oh yeah, right, okay. I the thing is, it never, I, it never happened to me on the X, or and I don't think it happens on the S. This is pretty much a Model Three thing, so. There's um there is a second part to that though. Apparently yep. there's uh, vents on the pack, and I think there's um an upgraded part that you can get. So if you're experiencing a lot of this, I think in certain cases they've been changing the um the they little, call it a, uh, a battery breather vent is what they call it. Yes. So the breather so, vent, yeah. In certain cases, I know they've been changing them if you have this problem to the extreme. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. I've I've heard about the thing, but it's just like meh. Whatever. Also, the vampire, the vampire drain. Two things could be causing it. One is check yep. some of your vehicle settings. Uh, sensory mode, we do know, does cause some battery drain because it's yes. leaving the cameras on all throughout the evening. Uh, but the second thing is, if you live in a cold climate, these guys can certainly tell you that if you're in a cold climate, you're going to lose some energy overnight uh, just yeah. through uh, heat loss uh, as a result of the batteries cooling down and getting frigid. So. And just like your tires can lose pressure overnight, your car can also lose energy in cold climates. A um, little tip for you, Ben. Um, change, consider changing the charging time on your car to minimize some of this loss. Mm-hmm. I have my car set. My car lives outside. I have my car set to start charging at midnight, and my maximum charge limit is 90%. When I wake up in the morning, the car is already at 87 So I do experience the battery drain as well. But what you can do is you can change your, if you if you only need the car, let's say at 8 a.m. or something like that, consider changing your charge time to something where closer to 8 a.m. Maybe start charging mm-hmm. at maybe 4 in the morning or something like that. Like, I don't know where your SOC starts at, but play around with the charging time because what happens is that battery drain, it, it starts when the car is actually at the top level and it comes back down. So if you can shift that charging so that it's closer to where you need to be in the morning, you'll find that um, that will help you tremendously. And, and that also, that I, I was going to say, go ahead, Amy. Oh, I was going to say, and the other thing too, is you're putting, you know, heat into the battery at that point. So it's nice and warm and you get a lot right. more region. You're ready that's, to go. That's true. Yeah. And now we have the luxury of departure uh, time, right? So you can set, you know, okay, I want to leave every morning at 8 a.m. and the car remembers it. So you don't even have to do the math on this. It'll, it'll work charging out. So it just finished charging when you want to go. Ben, we'll give you one more tip too. Um, in the mornings before you depart, at least half an hour before you uh, um, depart, go into the settings on your app for the climate control and um, turn up the heat. And yeah, also, <laughs> also, if you really want to help things too, go into your charge and actually move the slider to 100% and start the charge. Um, that will start heating up the battery as well. Mm-hmm. So those two little things do help. Uh, Just remember, remember to turn it back down when you yes, can. Yes, exactly. Remember, Model 3 does not have a dedicated battery heater like the S and the X do. That is because the car is more efficient. Um, it, well, it, it's designed to be more efficient. The trade-off is that it takes longer to heat the battery pack because it's using what's called waste heat scavenging which is circulating glycol through the power electronics and the autopilot computer and all this other stuff to gather heat rather than having this really um, energy expensive dedicated battery heater uh, like the S and the X do to Mm -hmm. heat the car. So it's about efficiencies, but there's a trade-off. It takes longer to heat. So at least half an hour before you leave, those are a couple things that can probably help you out. All right, moving on. Let's see here. Uh, 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 uh. Eric, do you want to try one of these? I mean, I guess I could. (laughs) If you're, I'm trying to think. Um, do you think all weather protection kits affect range, and if so, by how much? Uh, the answer would be no. I have them on my car. I haven't noticed this lick of difference. Oh, 
they're, they're especially the Tesla ones. They're so tiny. There's yeah. no way that's having any significant hit. Speaking on of the Tesla ones, by the way, because they have started releasing them for the Scandinavian countries. I know it hasn't made it into the U.S. yet. Um, they've been showing up now in fairly decent numbers in the Canadian shops. Now you can basically walk in and get them. Uh, they're pretty small. I have the um, aftermarket Chinese ones. I forget what they are. They're fairly large. They cover up. The, they're easy to install. They work quite well. Um, I have seen the Canadian ones. They're little itty-bitty ones, and they put them in the front. And I just saw some reports there today that some people are feeling that they're too short, which is still allowing sand and debris to get behind it into mm. the body cavity. So, um, unfortunately, I don't. I, I would like to be able to have a set to show you both on camera. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of shows, I'll be able to show you um, some of that stuff. Because I am titled to go and get a free set, even though I have something on my car. So um, maybe I'll do something like that and show you guys what the differences are. So I'll make a point of doing that. So here's right. a good question from Stuart. Uh, I think it's worth asking. So do you guys think that hardware version three will be made available to those that have not purchased full self-driving? If so, would it be for a few that is less than what FSD currently costs? Reason the question is being asked is that new cars are being built with version three already installed and they do not have FSD unlocked. Would it make sense to do the entire fleet with V3? It's a very good question. Um, as far as making it available for those who have made FSD, no, the answer is no. Tesla's not in the business of offering free retrofits to older cars. Not in a, such an expensive part. No, well, no it's way. an expensive part, right? Um, that would, mm -hmm. yeah. Financially, I think it'd be suicidal. Especially, yeah. especially the number of Model Threes that are on the road that don't have V3 hardware in it. I mean, what do you need it for, really? Yeah, until yeah. you need FSD. Please, please remember that until Tesla gets legislative authorization to turn on some of the FSD stuff, there is no reason to actually have the Autopilot mm -hmm. Three computer at this point. I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. So you see garbage cans in the U.S. and you see snow and you see, okay, you know, That's cones. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's there's no there's nothing you can turn on that actually makes it better than anything else right now. It's mostly the visualizations, which, you know, don't mean anything at this point because there's nothing that's any better than what you already have. So if you have FSD, if you bought FSD, you have a 2.5 computer, guess what? You get all the same features I do. I have a hardware 3 computer. It's no different. So until we see some of that stuff happen, and it may take, who knows, another year? I don't well, know. There's no rush. Let me put a different spin on the reading back Stewart's question. He's saying made available. He's not saying given. So maybe the question is, would I be allowed to buy a hardware three computer and just pay for that? Not the FSD. I just want hardware three so that I at least get, you know, those those little anything displays. is possible, but right now Tesla wants its its profit margins for them. Yes, it's less profit margin for somebody who <laughs> who hasn't um no, but let's suppose the computer costs them 500 bucks and they sell it to you for 1000 or something like that. That's good profit. I mean, you know, I'll take 100 points. Yeah, <laughs> who like, knows? Yeah. But right now, I don't see it. They want the bundle because yeah. yeah. it's money. All right. Where are we, Eric? Uh, next question. This is from Vidar. Vidar? It's hard to know. Uh, if, we're, if we're butchering the name, it could be Vidar, but either way. Uh, this is someone. Yeah, this is someone from Norway. Uh, he has a he or she has a Model Three long range uh, from June 2019. Uh, in Norway, there's a big discussion about having an anti-rust coating on the underbody or not. Now, as in Canada, uh, you know, just like you guys do, there's a lot of salt. We talked about this in the show. Now, there's a lot of salt in the roads in the winter. When the first Model Threes arrived in March last year, 
they hadn't had a full Norwegian winter at the time. Uh, so some people claim that only crazy owners don't put an underbody coating on their Model 3. On the other hand, the warranty might get invalidated if you were to put a coating on the car. What do you guys think? And have there been reports of rust problems on any Tesla Model 3 in Canada? Uh, Go ahead, Ian. Well, um, we definitely had problems with um, rust on the uh, on the leading edge of the rocker panels. That's obviously why this whole mudflap campaign started. Um, mm -hmm. Now, that was in early cars. My car, I ran the entire year last year, and I barely got anything. I mean, it did, sandblasted the whole side of the car, but that's very light pitting. It wasn't like like not paint rust. Off. Yeah, paint running off. Cars. Uh, I know in Quebec, a lot of uh, owners here have uh, have chosen to go with a coating um, just to be a thousand percent sure, because to me, that was really the only alarming part about buying this car is there is no corrosion warranty um, on a Model 3. It's the only car I can think of for sale in Canada, certainly in the luxury segment, that has no corrosion warranty on it. So you don't have to worry about, you know, <laughs> invalidating the corrosion warranty. There isn't one. Now, maybe in the EU they're offering, I've never looked. That would be interesting to know. Um, but here it's, it's not a concern, uh, as far as the warranty goes, but yeah, I'm thinking at some point I, I'm still going to do mine just, yeah. just to be a thousand percent sure. The well, only thing I have to throw into the mix here is because we've had a couple of, um, owners club meetings at body shops here in the Toronto area. And, uh, I've asked them that very same question. Their response is Tesla doesn't say no to that. The only thing they don't want you to do is go to a rust-proofing place where they do perforation into the body cavities to put the spray in because Tesla uses dissimilar metals. Mm -hmm. And anytime you interrupt that, um, you're asking for corrosion to actually start. So mm -hmm. if you do do this, they don't seem to care, but do not let them drill into any part of the body to um, put the stuff in. So. How yeah, many how many Model S and X owners in Canada have done some underbody protection? Do you guys have any ideas? Like, have, do you know people who personally have done it? No, S and Xs are different because they're all aluminum. Okay, they corrode, but they don't rust. Yeah, hmm. yeah, it's 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 less of an issue. Although it's funny, my my friend, the body shop guy, says he's seen aluminum panels like the hoods on Ford Explorers or whatever uh, that are all aluminum have some issues with uh, with corrosion in winter, but. I haven't seen anything reported from an S or an X owner as of yet, and we've had them for a long time now. Please remember that Tesla, like most other car manufacturers these days, when they do the primer of the car, the whole car is immersed in primer. It's not spray right. painted on. They actually take the whole car is literally goes into a bath of primer. So the bath gets into all the little crevices and stuff. So even though they don't have a corrosion warranty, it doesn't mean that they don't do proper priming on the cars. So. All right. How are we, Eric? Right down to we the got, last we, one. We got we got one more question. This oh. just got added during the course of the oh, show. Oh, really? It just popped up. We got oh, we like got it. an American. Uh, we, this is from Amit. Uh, Amit says, "I have an SR Plus with autopilot. Lives in Boston, and uh, parks the car outside the condo. Only has access to a 120. So we mentioned that a bit earlier in the show about charging with that. Uh, and this driver struggles with mileage. This is my first winter, and I average three to four hundred watts per drive. Any suggestions on how to deal with the situation? Oh boy. So here's here's a couple things I would think of. Um, 
depending upon the kind of commute you have and knowing uh, Boston roads fairly well, uh, there's different terrain. You have a lot of hilly roads. Uh, so you certainly can expend a lot of energy on your drive, uh, especially if you're driving a lot of highway mileage. That certainly uses and consumes more energy than you do local city driving. Um, a couple of things to consider is what these guys mentioned earlier in the show. So if you missed it, we'll kind of quickly recap it. Um, if you're charging on 120, uh, try to start your charging as late as you can to kind of time it so that you're close to 90, whatever your cap is, 80, 90, 100% uh, for your charge. Uh, you want to try not to exceed 90 for daily commutes, but if need be in these wintry conditions, especially on some really, really harsh winters, some days you can up it to 100 uh, to kind of get the battery warmed up and charged. Uh, and that way, when you're close to leaving um, for work or errands or whatever you're doing, you can at least uh, have your car near its, its top start, uh, top state of charge uh, before heading out. Um, but if also, if you're, if you're getting near 400 watts on your driving, that's pretty aggressive driving. I'm not sure what's causing that. If you're in stop-and-go traffic, the deceleration should never get that high. Uh, the regen should help you with that. Um, but could, could the heating of the car contribute that much, guys? It yes, can? I, I okay. experience with my car in the in the mornings, if I don't do a, a prolonged preheat on the car, three to 400 watt hours per mile or about 240 watt hours per kilometer is perfectly normal on a Model 3. It is expending a, quite a bit of energy to heat up the battery pack to get your regen back and all this other stuff. You're heating the cabin. Yeah. Um, if you're doing short distance uh, driving, the car doesn't actually warm up enough for that to actually settle back down. Mm -hmm. I know for me that the initial, it could be as much as uh, sometimes half an hour before that actually actually starts dropping down to more normal levels in the winter months. The car can be quite efficient in the winter, but it but there's like a pre precipitous drop-off point in terms of uh, temperature where it's actually more exacerbated rather than... Um, uh, being higher temperatures and stuff. Hmm. So, but these numbers are not out of the ordinary from what I've seen on my car. But wow. if I go on a long drive, more than an hour, it, it will come down and settle down. Now, I will say though, you have a Model 3 performance. So I'm not sure if that already is going to maybe skew the number a little bit differently than an SR Plus, um, or if it's going to be still very, very close either way. Well, an SR Plus, remember, does not have the second motor in the front. So. Um, and Tesla is doing some funny things with the uh, magnetic fields on the car mm -hmm. um, and the motors to try and heat this up. I think it's more pronounced on the dual motor in the performance cars, namely because you have that second motor in the front. Bjorn actually um, has done quite a number of videos because he's got that scan my Tesla thing, um, and it shows uh, that Tesla is putting 3.7 kilowatts into both motors to try and heat up the battery, so there's a fair mm -hmm. amount of energy being used there. I don't know exactly what it is on NSR+. Plus probably half of that yeah also I'll be interested to find out um if Amit if you are catching up on the show is tr if you haven't already done so try using your trip meter like when you're planning a destination on your car's uh navigation uh go to your energy graph and uh at the top of your screen you'll see an option for consumption and trip tap on trip uh and now we can see what your projected energy consumption is for that trip versus what your actuals are maybe you'll start noticing if you adapt your driving a bit to be more uh, um, you know, to preserve more energy, you'll see if there's a difference. So just kind of keep an eye on that to see if it's already projected, a, like, as Trevor said, a precipitous drop in energy consumption. But maybe if you change how you're driving a little bit, if it's possible, um, you might be able to consume a little more energy. Or, I'm sorry, not expend as much energy. G gamify, gamify your your uh, your driving. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, well, he didn't mention 
how fast he's driving too. Of course, driving like you stole it. Obviously, you're not going to get, uh, yeah. you know, range out of the car. Um, what is uh, 110 kilometers an hour is about 70 miles an hour. So keep it at 70. You know, there's, and I forget exactly what the calculation is. We've talked about this before, but for every certain amount of miles more that you go in terms of speed, that the, the, the energy usage goes up. It's mm-hmm. almost almost double. I forget exactly what the calculation is. So it, I generally find what's it's, that energy consumption um, increases at the square. Uh, yeah, uh, something so basically, like that. If you double the speed. You need four times the energy. Yeah, exactly. So that oh, well, that's why Eric and Sean, uh, I think it was in 2017 or 2018, did the uh, long range test of a long range Model Three driving at about 30 miles per hour, and they got 602 miles out of that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So the faster you drive, the the less range you have, and the more energy. Yeah, you we use. we we know electric cars get better range efficiency the exactly. slower they go. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. I hope that it answered most of your questions that you guys submitted. Thank you very much for doing that, and uh, look for more. We try to do this on every episode that we possibly can. And uh, well, having said that, uh, Eric, why don't you begin and uh, let people know how they can get a hold of you? Twitter. dot com <laughs> forward slash ECFIX. That's ECFIX. Twitter.com forward slash ECFIX. Uh, you can also find me um, on. <sighs> Let's see. I'm on the forums uh, the same way that Ian's hair is on his head. So I'm <laughs> on occasion, I'm there. Very sparsely uh, is what you're looking for. I know. I'm, I'm occasionally on there, but generally, uh, Twitter is the best way to get a hold of me. And uh, my thanks to all of the, uh, my new followers, to all the show supporters, to sponsors. Uh, but most importantly, Ian's going to mention some good stuff now about some stuff he's doing to help raise funds for some needy organizations. So uh, do what Ian says and get that stuff. Take it away, Ian. Why, thank you. So, yes, on Twitter, at Ian Pavelko is the place to find me. Um, Tesla Owners Online, the handle is Mad Hungarian. If you have any tech questions or whatever, feel free to reach out to me on both of those platforms. Glad to help anybody I can. And finally, if you're looking for some um, Tesla wear, um, we have the... Um, Evolvewear line, which I sell on uh, Teespring, T-E-E-Spring.com. You can go there. Just uh, once you get in there, go in the search engine and look up Mad Hungarian or Evolvewear. Link will be in the show description. Yeah, exactly. Make it easy. Just click on the, the link in the show description and you will find a selection of shirts. And uh, a portion of every shirt sale does get donated to um, the Quebec Electric Vehicle Association, uh, various other EV associations on a rotating basis throughout Canada, and Plug in America. Excellent. Well, I guess that leaves me. Before I actually tell you about uh, my handle and where you can find me and stuff, I did want to mention as a follow-up from last week, um, unfortunately, last minute, we did not get the latest and uh, the updated information on Cars and Coffee that's coming. I will mention that it is February 8th. It will be held in Miami, but um, I don't want to give you any more details until everything is finally, finally, finally finalized. Uh, We might get it as soon as tomorrow. If I do that, I'll tweet it out. I'll put it on social media as fast as we can. But um, hopefully we should have all the details by then. So you get a chance to um, to see all of us and stuff. We really look forward to having Cars and Coffee at our great sponsors there at uh, FNX that put that on. All right, so that leaves me. If you want to follow me, uh, very active on Twitter. The handle's Model3Owners, or you can search for Tesla Owners Online. You can follow me, Trev P. That's my username on the forum. That's teslaownersonline.com. And I want to say thank you to our great sponsors, the guys at uh, Dulaban Insurance, Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings, and the great guys at Evanex for sponsoring the show. 
Anyways, that's it for this time, and uh, we will catch you on the next show. Thank you for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you guys. Bonsoir tout le monde. Bye.